Genesis chapter 12, it's on page, uh, page number 8 uh, and 9 of your church Bibles. Uh, as we uh, come back to Genesis after about a year's break, we, we were in Genesis around this time uh, last year. And as we, as we start this, this series, we're going to go through uh, the life of Abram, uh, or Abraham, uh, actually, over the, the coming weeks. You'll see that uh, at some point along the way, Abraham, Abram's name changed to Abraham. I just kind of use whichever one. Uh, pops into my head at that moment, uh, as, you'll, as you'll soon find out. Uh, as we start a series, I, I usually like to also mention just uh, some of the places I go to for uh, resources uh, for these sermons, in case uh, you hear an idea and go, Rob's quite clever, uh, I'm really not. Uh, most of the ideas I get, I, I borrow from other, other places, and it's, it's good to, to mention those, uh, I think, up front. So Derek Kidner, uh, a very good scholar, uh, has an excellent commentary on Genesis. Um, I also, for this series, will use, uh, get some ideas, I'm sure, from Dale Ralph Davis, uh, who has an excellent little book called Faith of Our Fathers. It's, it's brilliant. If you've not read or heard of Dale Ralph Davis, he's, he's an American uh, scholar and minister uh, who's written uh, quite extensively on the Old Testament. And it's very accessible, uh, if you don't mind a lot of American Civil War illustrations. Um, but if, if you get past that, uh, what he has to say is, is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and wonderful, and so I, I commend those to you uh, as a, those are our sources that I'll be using uh, during this series. Uh, but Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1, uh, and reading through verse 9, and this is God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forevermore. But what if every problem in your life, every care, every concern, every fear, suddenly became of secondary importance? What if every... Uh, health concern or, or question of your, your purpose in this world? What if they didn't completely go away, but they, they faded into something less significant, something that was less controlling over your life? That's actually what, what happened to Abraham. That's what God's calling does for, for those who follow him. As we, as we start this series through the life of, of Abraham, at this point, and again, he was, he was known as Abram. 
Uh, we're going to see how the, the calling of, of God doesn't, doesn't actually solve all of our problems. That in, in many ways it, it creates new uh, earthly problems and struggles. But, but we'll see that, that knowing God and, and drawing near to Him causes our, our earthly hardships and, and sorrows to be put into their right perspective. What's remarkable this morning is, is that as we, uh, as, we, as we look at these few verses at the, the very start of, of Abram's life, actually it's, it's quite a ways into Abram's life, but it's, it's the start of Abram's life as far as we're concerned, isn't it? Uh, at the very start we see God reach down into our world and to call one man to follow him and to learn to walk in the ways of the Lord. And from these verses we, we really uh, see and learn three things this morning. First of all, we see that it's God who calls. Secondly, we see that God's call is risky. And third, we'll see that God's call is irresistible. So first, let's see that, that it's God who calls. This is actually uh, an incredibly uh, cri- critical and central point to our faith. It's God who calls us to himself. Verse 1, what do we hear? We, we hear the Lord say uh, to Abram, Go. And I want to suggest to us that this is, uh, this is in fact, the, the opposite of, of how most of us think about this, the, the, the way that we, that we follow God, isn't it? But it's a watershed verse for us, this verse 1. Uh, and it's probably the, the most important verse, perhaps, in, in the entire series we're, we're embarking on in Abram's life. We wouldn't be talking about Abram today without this one verse. And it runs completely contrary, again, to how we think about the Christian experience. We want to think that, that we're on our, our own personal spiritual journey, don't we? That we're going to discover God in our own way. In our modern world, we hear it said as, as something along the lines of uh, discovering what's, what's true for me. Or, or finding who God is to, to me, myself. We think God is sort of sitting there waiting for us. To, to come and, and, and to find him for ourselves. But this runs completely contrary to, to Abram's own experience, doesn't it? And I believe it actually runs contrary to the, the true Christian experience. And I'll give you two reasons why. First of all, uh, Abram had 75 years to do this little spiritual journey of discovery, didn't he? And it never happened. It doesn't appear that he was was all that concerned with God uh, very much. In fact, I doubt he really uh, had the leisure time that we have to, to enjoy such a, a journey of enlightenment. He also wouldn't have had the resources, would he? He didn't have the libraries to go uh, and, and seek wisdom from. He didn't have coffee shops to go and, and journal in. He didn't have airplanes to, to fly off to exotic locations where he could discover himself. He lived in a time of survival, where you had to, to scratch out a living from the land. The, the second reason I, I think this, this runs contrary to what we see in the life of Abram is, uh, think about the culture that, that he's, he's living in, and that he was born into. We actually saw it last year in, in greater detail, but if you go back and you read uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, uh, it gives us excellent detail on, on the human condition and the, the culture that was, was dominant in the days leading up to Abram, were people concerned for the things of God. 
Were they on a, a personal spiritual journey? Absolutely not. In fact, what we see from, from Genesis 3 on is, is people rebelling and fleeing from God in, in every way imaginable. And even in some ways that we'd rather not imagine. There's brother murdering brother. Uh, immorality reaches such a fever pitch that, that God destroys the world in a flood. That the, the remnant who are on the ark, as, as they get off, uh, Noah plants a vineyard and, and gets drunk. And then as they, they uh, repopulate the earth, what, what happens? Well, chapter 11, they build a tall tower for their own personal glory until God passes his judgment on that endeavor. And out of all of that, we, we have this one man, Abram. A man that I, I think if you've been around the church uh, at all or, or you've, you've come across him before, then, then you, you may want to consider him to be a righteous man and a bit of an outsider in his own culture. But I don't think that's who he is when we meet him. You might want to think him meek and moral, and therefore God called him because he was a good guy, but that's, that's not what we see, I don't think. We don't have any indication that Abram had anything at all to offer God, do we? So why Abram? The answer is simply because God called him. And that, in fact, tells us more about, about the, the character of God than it does Abram's character. We're talking about a God who, who remembers his creation. And he remembers his creatures. And he, he reaches down into a world of, of darkness and sin to, to call out one man. And, and from that one man to, to raise up a people for himself. And he doesn't do it because that man was particularly spectacular. He doesn't do it based on any criteria that we can quantify in our human terms. He does it simply according to his sovereign will. And it's that sovereignty that we have to, to come to grips with, isn't it? What does sovereignty mean? When we think of uh, a, an earthly king, we sometimes refer to the king as, as a sovereign. Uh, not so much anymore, but, but historically what that meant was uh, that, that what the king said goes. He would get his own way. If he, his word was law. And whether it was good or not, all the, all the servants, all the, the not kings in the kingdom had to go along with it and pretend that it was brilliant and that it was good. Otherwise, they'd be in trouble, wouldn't they? Well, God's sovereignty means that, that he gets his own way. But unlike an earthly king, his sovereignty is, is according to a, a plan that, that both glorifies him and is, is good for his people. And we can trust that, that it's good because God is the very definition of good itself. You and I would have no idea what good was if it weren't for God's existence and his work in our world. God calls things good in the creation, doesn't he? He defines good in our world for us. And we see that goodness here, don't we? And not only God calling Abram, but also in, in what he promises him. Let's look at verse 2 and 3. God says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Sorry, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He's a God that not only calls, but he's a God who promises, and he promises good for those he calls. And this turns our, our whole life's narrative on its head, doesn't it? May, you may have come here this morning thinking that you're on your own personal spiritual journey, and God's part of that, but it's, it's your journey. What, what Abraham teaches us is that God is working out his sovereign plan in our world to bring about our good and to bring about his glory, to bring about our salvation. And what he does is he, he calls you into his journey or his story. We're but minor players in the drama of God's redemptive work. And, and that was true even of Abram, a man who lived so long ago that we, we still talk about. He was, he was really a minor player. We only talk about him because God called him. That's the first thing we see. The second, uh, the second point this morning, the second thing we see is that we, we need to see that God's call is risky. Did you notice everything that, that Abram had to give up in order to be obedient to God's call? He's called out of every earthly security that, that even we would hold dear today. He had to, he had to leave his country, his friends and family, uh, the, the security of his father's household. God tells him to, to go to a foreign land, a, a place that he didn't know, and a place where he didn't know anyone else. In other words, God, God makes him vulnerable, doesn't he? Many of you uh, here this morning, including myself, have come from from other countries. And even in a modern world where we can get online and do all kinds of research, we we still have uh, and get so much uh, information about a place before we move there. Uh, You can still feel incredibly vulnerable, can't you, when you arrive in a new place, a place where you don't understand the the customs or or, uh, even how some of the most basic things in life work. When we moved here, I had no idea how the tube or the bus worked. I had no idea that something uh, as simple as, as dish detergent is actually called washing up liquid. Washing up liquid. That's a mouthful, isn't it? It's a small thing, isn't it? But, but these little things uh, uh, cause you to stop and go, well, what are, the, what are the bigger things that I don't pick up on? What are the bigger things that, that no one's told me? to watch out for. If you don't know about what something as simple as, as washing up liquids called, then what else might you not know? You're vulnerable in a new place. Even if you speak the language, even if you've uh, read travel guides and all kinds of other things. Well, Abram's called, called out of his security, isn't he? And he's called out of the, the paganism in which he's, he's grown up in. And he's lived in his, his entire adult life then. And he's called to, to leave all of that behind. And what that, what that meant was that he had to leave behind all of the relationships and security that he was holding to. And what we see in Abraham is, is in fact, actually the, the, the gospel call, isn't it? It's the call of salvation. Jesus himself said to, to his disciples and his followers that if you were to follow him, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. He said to, to a young man, if you want to follow him, follow me, then you have to, to leave behind your, your father, mother, sister, and brother. 
See, what, what happened to Abram, what God called Abram to do, is nothing short of what he calls you and I to do. Why should we? Why did Abram? It was because of the promise, wasn't it? It was because of the, the character of God and the promise of his blessing was, was actually sufficient for Abram to leave behind all these earthly things in order to follow the God who called him. He may well have thought twice about it. He certainly couldn't do it all at once, could he? He took his, his nephew with him. Uh, his father had to pass away, which, which actually happened uh, in the two verses prior to, to the ones that we read. He couldn't do it all at once. But, but over time, we see the, the obedience of Abram to the call of the one true God. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have, have struggled with this at, at some point in our lives. If you're a follower of Christ, you've, you've struggled with the, the cost of following him. If some of you with us this morning may still be struggling with the, the implications of, of God's calling on your life. When I quoted uh, from Jesus a moment ago, that was, that's difficult to hear, isn't it? Many Christians for, for a long time have tried to sort of explain those, those verses away. But the things that, that Jesus asks us to do and, 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 and to, to give up, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to quantify. So why should we do it? Well, for the same reason Abram did. The, the character of God and the promises of God have to be greater than all the things that we, that we cling to in this life. I think about it for a moment. If the God who, who made you and who has, has paid for all of your, your sins and, and, and transgressions in the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, how much is it really costing us to follow Him? God calls us out of, out of sinfulness and wretchedness like He did Abram. What's it really cost? The promises of God for us are, are almost like Him saying to us that, that, that He has a winning lottery ticket. Uh, that will open the door to a, a right relationship with him and the joys of eternity in his kingdom. He says all it, all it really costs is, is a pound. If you imagine a little pound, a little metal coin, and, and that pound, and that pound represents your whole life, all the things that you'll do, all the possessions that you'll gain, all the people that you would love and care for, it seems really precious, doesn't it? Until you, until you look at the promises of Christ, and the promises of the God who made you, and who calls you to himself. If that, if that pound, if that coin is too precious to you, as it is for so many people, I'd like to suggest, gently suggest to you that, that you've neither valued your life nor the promises of God rightly. And we see Abram valuing God's promises rightly, don't we? We see this in our, our third point, the, the ears, that, that God's call is, is absolutely irresistible when valued rightly. Some of you want to put a question mark at the end of this point, don't you? God's call is irresistible? But I'm convinced that, that Abram shows us that, that when you look back on 11 chapters of, of brokenness and human frailty, that when God calls you and offers you a better way, 
you can't, you, you can't say no. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, what, what else is there? So how does Abram respond to God's call? Let's look at that for a moment. We, we actually see him respond in two ways. We see him respond in, in obedience to God's revealed will. And secondly, through proper worship. Let's look at verse 4. Uh, God has told Abram to go. What's Abram do? It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Because this is the, the essence of, of the life of faith. Abram didn't question, where am I going? He didn't wonder, do I really need to go there? Can't I just be obedient to God here? He didn't ask, how will I have an income? He didn't say, but this isn't how I envisioned my spiritual journey playing out. He went as the Lord called him. Abram was simply and wonderfully obedient to God's revealed will. Now, what about us? You know, how do we know God's revealed will for us today? We'll wait for it. We know God's revealed will because it's called the Bible. Right? The scriptures of the, the Old and New Testament. And we're going to talk more about God's uh, revelation uh, tonight in our, as, we, as we begin Hebrews. Uh, so I won't say everything now because you should come back later. Shameless plug, isn't it? But simply, for, for now, let's simply appreciate that, that Abraham, in, in obeying God's word, actually allows God to define the entirety of the rest of his life. Abraham didn't get it perfect all the time. We'll see that uh, next week, in fact. But the, the primary way that, that Abram understood himself, and the primary way he understood the purpose of his life, was in, a, it was in relation to, to what God called him to do and who he called him to be. And he couldn't resist that call. He simply had to hand himself over to the God who had made him and who called him by name. And that's brilliant, isn't it? That's what, what most of us really want deep down, isn't it? To know the God who created us and the God who's called us by name. And most of you here this morning are probably wondering how, how you're meant to live and who God's calling you to be. And the answers are actually found in his word. It starts there. And so search it. Seek to understand it. Be in it. Memorize it. Most of all, trust it. As Abram trusted the calling of God, we're to trust his word let the word of God become what, what defines who you are and how you live. This is difficult in our present day, isn't it? There's a lot of, of, of those pressures that, that Abram probably felt in his day uh, to conform to, to the culture. I think that's particularly true in our, in our country uh, now. There was a, a front page article uh, this week in the Times on, on Wednesday uh, stating a recent survey within the, the Church of England ministers. Uh, and the, the majority of those ministers think that, that the UK is no longer a Christian nation, which is, is probably true. But listen to the therefore. The majority of, of CV ministers said, therefore, the, the church should be performing gay weddings and changing its teachings on both sex outside of marriage uh, and homosexuality. 
Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because the church is no longer the church when it believes it's, it's meant to be a reflection of the culture around it. The church is only the church when it's called out of the culture and into the calling of, of God and obedient to his word. When we uh, follow the calling of God, then we, we have to be obedient to his word, don't we? And this is the life of faith that we see in Abram. There's 11 chapters of, of culture followed by one verse calling a man out of that culture. There's a lifetime of, of living differently that follows. You see, this is the watershed issue of our day. The Church of England ministers and, and vicars don't, don't believe that, the majority of them anyway, uh, many of them are, are very faithful, but, but the majority don't believe that the church can, can reverse its, its declining numbers unless it changes to be more like the world. But God called just one man. And that call was irresistible to him. And God promised to, to make him a blessing to the whole world. And he calls us to the same. And we see that the, the fulfillment of that promise of blessing the whole world in Christ Jesus you see, through Christ, we've been blessed by the offspring of Abram. And we've been called to, to, to draw near to him, to be obedient to his word, to stand out from the culture, to leave behind the things that, that we think define us, the things that we've been told we should celebrate, the, the things that we've been told uh, we need to, to uh, adhere to. God calls us out of those things as he called Abram. Are we going to follow him and his word? The second way that Abram responds to, to God's call is, is by being preoccupied with worship. He's preoccupied with the worship of the, the true God. And I think in many ways that makes, that makes it easier to be obedient to the calling, doesn't it? Abram moves from, uh, from one pagan land actually to, to another pagan land. You almost wonder why why was he called out of that that place to begin with? He's he's simply going from from one pagan place to another pagan place. When he comes to the Oak of Mora, that was in all likelihood a place where uh, where pagan worship uh, took place. So there he is in this foreign place, surrounded by by people worshiping their their small g gods. And they've got their idols that they're uh, that they're worshiping, and Abram turns up in that place, and, and what does he do? Well, he, God, God, God promises this, this land to him. And so he, he builds an altar to the one true God there. And he makes sacrifice, we, well, at least we assume he does. And he worships God among the, the spiritual darkness of that place. The altar that Abram would build would be the, the single beacon of the light of God's grace in that, that darkened land. And Abram worshipped God there, even though he and his household were alone in that congregation. He then moved on, didn't he, to, to Bethel. And once again, we're told he, he built an altar there, and he made sacrifice, and he worshipped there, even though he and his household were alone in that congregation. All he had was the promise. 
And all he had was a faith that believed his God was, was of sufficient power and of, and of good character to deliver on the things he's promised. You see, what Abram reveals to us is the cost as well as the simplicity of the Christian life. God calls us out of all the, the things that we've held and thought most dear and most safe. All the things that our culture tells us are, are good and worth celebrating. And our response ought to be to simply obey God and to worship and glorify Him with our lives. We worship because God is worthy. And we worship because God is faithful. We worship because it is what we were created for. Because He's a God who keeps His promises. That's the wonder the promises made to Abram. God doesn't make clear when those promises will be kept, does he? Abram trusts the character of the one true God. The promises God uh, made were, were ultimately eternal promises, weren't they? And Abram didn't see them fully in his lifetime. But that was okay. It was okay not because he, he knew that, that, that those promises would, would be delivered to his ancestors, it was okay because the promises of God are, are eternal promises. Abram would see and take hold of them fully when he, he entered God's kingdom at the resurrection of the last day. The calling and the, the promise was, was sufficient to see Abram safely through this life. A life of wandering and hardship, but a life that was found in the Lord God Almighty. And all the things that he would suffer and all the things he would struggle with were insufficient to overcome the promises of God for him. And what I want to leave us with this morning, folks, is that we're, we're even better off than Abram was because we've seen the, the great fulfillment of God's eternal promises and the coming of Christ Jesus. And, and this Christ, our Savior, sends us out, his people, to, to be that blessing that, that was promised to Abram. To, to spread the good news. To be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We may not see the final promise of Christ's return kept in our lifetime. But like Abram, we can be sure we will see it. When we are called out of our grave with Abram at Christ's return. Let's pray.